you don't take a lot of time to plan the life you want, you're going to end up spending a lot of time living the life you do not want. And a lot of people are living that life right now. When I thought about it, I said, I didn't work for Hilton, Marriott, or Disney. I worked for me. You know, I'd love my reputation to be better than Disney's and better than Marriott's and better than Hilton's. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and imagine running Disney. Yeah, the whole magical kingdom, numerous resorts, and 40,000 employees. Then imagine barely making it out of high school prior to that. Not having a college degree, having a hard upbringing with a mom who married and divorced five times, being adopted twice, having the only solid figure in your life, being a grandmother who you were taken away from as a child. Well, this is Lee Cockerell. He spent 10 years as executive vice president of Disney. In this really candid interview, he shares what helped him succeed at such a great level. Even as in his late 60s, when his wife almost died, he suffered severe anxiety and depression. You don't really expect the humility you're going to find here from a guy who ran a small nation. You'll be moved and motivated. Here's an interesting tidbit. In his book, he talks about the value of staying in touch and accessible to people. He talks about that in this interview, and he actually gives in his book his personal phone number. Most people don't believe it's for real, but he actually gets calls. I I just thought that's really cool and really unique. You can get Lee's four books, uh, the online time management course that he has, and subscribe to his Creating Disney Magic podcast, all at Lee cockerel.com last name is c-o-c-k-e-r-e-l-l hey this sponsor helped bring today's show to us okay friends well here i bring you lee cockerel well, Lee, you had a magical career uh, that we could say culminated with 10 years as executive vice president of Disney with charge over 40,000 employees, scores of properties, and more. But I'm guessing, as I've been researching you, that you'd say the culmination of your career is what you are doing right now. Uh, am, I, am I right? Well, I think it is. I'm having a lot of fun, not only having my own business, but I've decided that people say you're just out there speaking. I said, actually, I think I'm a teacher now. And that's what I always wanted to be. And I guess that's how you leave a legacy, be a good teacher. So that's what I'm doing every day. And I'm enjoying it. Absolutely. Well, you know, when I ask what the primary message you had is we're going to cover some of your books and your messages, but the primary message you had for the Ziegler audience, you said, teach them that it's never too late to get better, to never forget the influence they have on other people and never underestimate what they can achieve in their life. And I coming from you, from your history, your legacy, I took that statement with great gravity and literally want to dig into it a little bit for folks. When you say it is never too late to get better with 40,000 employees and probably thousands of other people involved in your life, tell us why that's a top three standout charge to everyone well the thing i worry about the most and that's why i do a lot of speaking to high school students and middle school students and all kinds of people is i really believe that uh, a lot of people hold themselves back because they're insecure they grow grew up poor they don't have a college degree and they get all these reasons in their brain and don't realize that uh, they shouldn't be doing that i i had a very disruptive life growing up and a family and and my Teachers, if you told them I ran Disney World for 10 years, they'd think you're totally crazy. Couldn't have been the same Lee Cocker or went to high school there. But, 
you learn. And I found out it was never too late to get better, to learn how to be a better manager, how to be a better leader, how to be a better husband mm. and father. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I keep trying to tell people, don't be looking back. I mean, there's a lot of time ahead of you. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I was a waiter. Mm. My mother was a little concerned if she wanted me to be a dentist. <laughs> and uh, I became the best waiter they ever had. And then I got promoted. And I just tried to do that all along. And uh, it worked out. because. Oh, yeah. uh, and we have there are many examples in this country and around the world of people who did astonishing things that they didn't believe when they were 13, 14, 15, or 18 that they could do. And uh, so I really try to push people to get out of that environment and culture, which makes them not believe in themselves. Yes. Well, your second part here is never forget the influence you have on other people. And in just thinking about that, I mean, as a, as a human, I'm not sure that we instinctively spend much time thinking of the influence we actually have on other people, you know, maybe, okay, as a dad, maybe on my kids, even my spouse, but I don't know if it's common, it's a common pondering of how we in the workplace with our coworkers, managers, bosses, employees, how we actually influence them, that we actually alter the realities and circumstances of their lives. So when you look at that, never forget the influence you have on other people. Tell us how you see this playing out and how we need to engage and embrace that. Well, I didn't realize that when I first started my career, but as I grew and learned more and had to understand that I needed to trust people and not just be the bully that was pushing people to do what I wanted them to do because of abusing my position, maybe in my title, I, uh, I've learned over the years, I've gotten so much feedback about from people saying, thanks so much for that conversation you had with me. Uh, I, I really do understand the importance of role modeling, uh, behaving yourself, uh, being careful what you say and do every day, not saying inappropriate things or uh, being sarcastic and making people feel uncomfortable. And I went through those things myself. I was insecure enough. I don't need to be making other people insecure. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, and I think a lot of people do that. You know, I always said uh, you know, people who are insecure are the ones who try to beat you down or raise their voice to you or intimidate you and, I can spot an insecure person a mile away, and it used to be me. And uh, I learned the lesson that uh, I can help people get better. I could, well, one of two things: I can have, I can make them have a better day or a worse day. And I decided to go toward the better day. Yeah. Yeah. So in, so you just said there, you needed to trust people in this audience. And I'm going to reference this a, a good number of times in our Ziegler audience. We have a lot of business owners, a lot of solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, free agents, freelancers. Uh, who are running their own ship to some degree, even if it's a, a part-time side thing. And in that, well, you know what, here, I'll just make it first person. Me, I'm one of those guys. And trusting other people has not been something that comes naturally to me. I want to control things. I'm doing this venture because I want some control. And that's, you know, that's a good thing. But trusting other people, did you find yourself at a place with so much going on that you had to, or did you learn the lesson that you just got more from that than being, as you said, the bully? Well, I learned a couple of lessons. Once I learned I was the problem because I grew up in a dysfunctional family and my mother was married five times and I was adopted twice. I got my name Cockrell when I was 16, dropped out of college, even though I could have gone because husband number four had money and I went in the army and uh, so by the time I got into the workforce, I was about as insecure as you can be because I didn't have any idea what to do or what I want to do. Nobody had ever talked to me about leadership or even managing anything. And uh, so I didn't trust anybody as I got promoted and I got promoted because I had a good attitude and I'm 
I get it done. I'm very disciplined. Uh, but when I didn't trust other people, I was working seven days a week and I was doing all the work. I felt like I need to be there. And I went through that for a long time, probably 15 years before I started to understand that I needed to start doing a better job. And so I started, I think the things that make the difference, I, I hired, hire better people in the last half of my career. I really take my time and hire people I know are experts yeah. that they don't need me looking over their shoulder. They're better than I am. And, uh, so as I started to do that uh, and had clear expectations with them and gave them authority to do their job that I had hired them to do, it left me time to think about where I needed to spend my time. And uh, so, you know, that's one thing I talk a lot about is everybody needs to step back and say, where are you spending your time? Where are you not spending it? Why are you micromanaging people you hired and paid a lot of money to do a job? And it's usually that insecurity. You've either hired the wrong people if you don't trust them, and that's kind of the message you're sending. I, I'm hiring you. I'm giving you all this responsibility, but I'm not giving you any authority. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's not right. And uh, so I, I finally learned some good lessons and got over it. I still have a big insecurity down in my stomach waiting to pop out, but uh, I control it. And uh, it uh, I, when you have great people around you, you get less insecure. Well, I, uh, I I appreciate that you saying that uh, you haven't arrived. You're not Superman now. You just learned to manage the yeah the insecurity in there. That uh, speaks loudly. But your next part of your statement then was never underestimate what we can achieve in our lives. And I assume you've experienced that most of us do underestimate what we can do. Yes. Yes. And the, what I learned was, now, if you'd have told me Lee Cocker was going to write a book, I barely got out of English in high school. I maybe made a C. But, or if I was going to do whatever I did in my life, I would have thought, no way. But uh, I think uh, I sort of, when I want to do something and I don't know how to do it, I go find somebody that's an expert and I ask them to help me. So mm-hmm. I have a professional writer I work with. I have a professional webs guy, a professional guy that takes care of my computer. Uh, finance people take care of my investments. I don't really do much, but I get I get people around me that can help me make sure I do it right. And then I learn from it. I mean, I must say, I know more about writing books now than I ever thought I would know. And I didn't know anything just a few years ago. But I uh, got a couple of experts and they took me down the path and worked with me and showed me what to do and how to do it. And I trusted them and it worked out well. Well, obviously. And I want to hit on some of those books, but I do want to step back a second. I mean, you worked with some big companies, massive companies, Marriott and Hilton, but was there something, I'm asking this out of pure curiosity, was there something different about Disney? Was there truly some magic? How did it alter your life? And I say that assuming that it did, because you've got four books here that all mention magic, which seems to be the heart of Disney. And I wanted kind of a behind the scenes. What, what's, what's different about it? Well, I learned the, I really learned the technical part of the business at Hilton, how to do things, you know, how to do it. I didn't learn much about management or leadership at Marriott. I really learned how to be a good manager because they are very, uh, policy procedure operating guideline there's only one way to do it uh, you you're responsible for your profit and loss statement your expenses and you got to be on top of that business and then when i went to disney i just found out it was that plus more i mean the one thing i learned at disney is everything matters from a, a bush not being dead in the parking lot to nothing on the, no trash on the ground the spotless bathrooms to everything matters 
and that's really stuck in my mind today. And I tell a lot of companies I work with, if you want to be excellent, everything matters. If you want to be average, everything doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can be, it's easier. But uh, that concept of everything matters and just always be trying to do it the right way. As Southwest Airlines said, once there's a best way to land a plane, so let's land it that way. <laughs> and uh, I think that's what we do at Disney. We keep trying to figure out the best way, and then we implement it. And uh, that's that was something for me to learn, the entertainment side of the business. We're putting on a show. And uh, I think we all should think about that in our businesses. We're all putting on a show, frankly. Yeah. And uh, want to make sure you got the right people, the right training, the right people doing the jobs they're supposed to do, and they know their role in the show. And uh, that's what I really learned at Disney. It's uh, got to be the same show every day, and it's got to be great, just like on Broadway. We want this show to run for years and years and years. So to all our business owners out there, so you're saying a couple things. I want to ask you if you're saying a couple things. One is that we all are, it's a show. What we're doing is a show for people and they're going to judge us on that. But in the everything matters aspect, okay, when you, I, that was the old adage, you know, you go into a restaurant and you can judge them somewhat by the state of their bathroom. I always remember that as a kid yeah. and I, I pay attention to it today. So when you look at that and you talk about you're just as concerned with the appearance of the of, of the Matterhorn there, that uh, as but you also are with a bush out in the parking lot, so everything matters. I tend to think of that instinctively as okay for what the customer then sees, but I'm curious as to how much that perspective altered the image and therefore the actions of your forty thousand staff. Yeah, well, I think when we bring them on board, we have a lot of clarity around our expectations and who we are and teach them about the traditions and teach them about the huge expectations that our guests have that save their money for years to come to Disney World. And they're with children. And as we say at Disney, fantasy is real there and reality is fantastic. And it's different than anywhere else you go in the world. And we pump it in pretty hard. And then we train them. But not only do we train our cast members, we train them deeply, then we test them, and then we enforce the training. And uh, we're interested in their opinion, but we make sure they understand they're not to implement it until we talk about it and we decide to put it in across the whole company. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we're we're, uh, real clear about expectations for performance and – and I think that's half the battle that most companies don't do. They're not clear enough. And a lot of companies don't even know what they want. They cannot write it down. They have a good product strategy, but they don't have a good leadership and customer service strategy. And they need to have those equal. And uh, I think at Disney, we have a strategy to grow the parks, get bigger, more attendance. Mm-hmm. And we have a strategy how to grow our leaders and our people and get them better. And so they can think differently and be different. And that's what we think about a lot, the human factor. You know, at the end of the day, your people are your brand. When you think about any store you go into, it's usually people. Products are products. And you can buy a shirt anywhere. You can take your dry cleaning anywhere. You can go to any grocery store. But the people in those places really make the difference. Okay, so I'm curious about you, that perspective that I understand there. So it's not a small ticket item to come to Disney World, spend a handful of days or a week and that you are looking at it as these people have saved possibly for years to come for this experience. Again, I'm not sure that I tend to, I, I'm going to have to embrace that perspective myself to say with the things that I am selling, this is what people have. This is their hard earned money. This is important to them. I am accepting their money. Am I taking that with the, well, with the gravity that it really 
has. That's a that's accountability, is it not? Absolutely. And I'm sure in your business, as well as any business, that's great. Uh, you're going to stand behind what you're selling them. If it doesn't go right or you're late or the product's not right, uh, we're going to make it right. And uh, that's the I think excellence is a state of mind. you got to be there to not get uh, defensive with the customer, but to f- figure out how to make it right. And uh, and that's probably what you do, and that's what we try to do. And uh, we teach everybody never, 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 never win an argument with the customer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the, that's the beginning of the end for that customer. Mm-hmm. Somebody said to me, isn't the customer always right, Lee? I said, oh, no, they're not, but they're always the customer, and they got a credit card. <laughs> so we better be nice to them. So yeah. you got to take care of your customers. That's what they're paying for. And when they're mad at us, they don't even know us. They're not mad at us. They're mad at something. And most people have 10 problems you don't even know about from their marriage to you know, who knows, finances, house foreclosed on, uh, kids in trouble. Who knows what sets them off? But it's usually not the little thing that happens in your business that sets them off. It's 10 other things going on in their life. And we try to remember that. We've all got problems. Well, and I hear your, and of course I've read this in your books, that your efforts in at Disney and in your own life with wherever you are of altering people's perspective, which is what you're doing here in the show with us. Well, your first book then, uh, Creating Magic, 10 Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney. And I saw a lot when I went, again, just researching you, I saw so many other media outlets that were citing that book and some of the highlights there. And I want to do a similar thing, though I want to turn it around a little bit, at least folks who are listening. I think we often look at a book on leadership and say, hey, this is what successful leaders do. Of course, the point is saying this is what you should do to become that leader that you want to be, to become that influencer. And Lee, we talk about that a lot in the Ziegler show that the point of leadership, I don't know if everybody views themselves as a leader, but if we want to influence anybody, that's what it is. We all want to influence. So many people want to serve and care for others, and we've got to be able to influence them. And your book speaks so directly to that. So a couple of the highlights again, and you spoke to this somewhat, but you have a primary call out in the book. Everyone is important. Everyone is, is important. So when you take your average employee, whether that's one of your executives, C-suite folks, or whether it's a, a lower level person, but you say everyone is important, how do you expect them to embrace that ideal and, and from it become a person of influence? Yeah, well, I think uh, what number one, again, we're very careful what kind of leadership we hire and who we promote into leadership jobs because they've got – it's not just what they can get done, but it's how they get it done. We're not going to trample on people. We're not going to intimidate people. We're not going to abuse people. And uh, so when we get the right leadership in place, it, really, we make sure they understand everybody matters. The guy cleans the bathroom or makes a bed or executive – uh, these people are part of the uh, show here, and the show can't work with. And by the way, if you got people that don't matter, then they shouldn't. You shouldn't have them. You should save the money. So everybody does matter, and we. I preach this story hard around the world. Uh, anybody that's got bigotry and racism in their bones, they just better give it up because we welcome everyone. Everybody matters. We show respect to everyone, and. Uh, and if you can't do that, uh, Disney's not going to be a good place for you to be because uh, that's that's one of the non-negotiables there. So, and we try every day, to, you know. And I I put that in my book because I've tried to teach my son that and my grandchildren that 
everybody matters, including the person, homeless person on the street. You don't have to give them money if you don't want to, but you can be nice to them and you can be respectful. And uh, once you get to that point of view, uh, I think if it can become a part of who you are, you'll just be a better leader for your family, for your neighborhood, for your place of worship. And uh, there's a lot of uh, angry people, seems like these days, that are kind of always blaming somebody else or those people are a problem and those people are a problem. And I've traveled to 44 countries in the world. I've been all over the world and I find people are just as nice as they can be everywhere. Now the governments we may not like, but uh, you know, I've just, I just came back from Russia. The people are just sweet as they could be, took care of us. Uh, it was in Hong Kong, Cambodia, nice people just trying to get along and uh, I'm not going to make their life worse. Some of them have hardships and some are doing better. And I I wrote in my, I put in my last book, Career Magic Book, I put, when you become a big deal, don't, (laughs) you know, just don't (laughs) become a big deal in your own mind, at least. Yes. So, uh, yeah. And I started out that way. You know, I've worked all those jobs. I've been a cook. I've been a waiter. I've been all those. I know how I was treated sometimes by guests. I mean, I look back on that and I wonder why, why, who has the right to do that, to treat people that way. And just ignore you and kind of dismiss you, and I, I, I just, I just don't like that at all. Well, and it comes into well, actually, I'll just go there right now. One of the primary points that, that you pull out in creating magic is developing character. So when you say that, okay, we get the idea, but I think for the average person, uh, all of us, to some degree, okay, okay, I need, I need better character. Where? Where do I start? And I think you're a great guy to ask with as many people as you led. Where do you get somebody to start on that aspect of developing character? Okay, I understand. Where? Give me step one. Well, I think a lot about people. I say, would I really want to work for that person? Yeah. Uh, integrity to me is everything. People tell the truth. They they have the ability to be a kind of person who can have hard discussions. They can have uh, make hard decisions. They can make make the right decision versus the easy one. Uh, to me, a lot of that is people that are willing to do the hard things because they're right instead of take the easy route. Because when you go easy all the time on everything you do in your life, life gets harder. It eventually bites you. And when you do the hard things, life gets easier. So, And I personally have a lot of trouble working with anybody I don't trust. And so things that are important to me are that uh, I would say that integrity. I trust you. I can tell you. Uh, Anything I want to, you can tell me anything you want to. We're in this together. Uh, as my grandson Tristan told me once, I said, "What does uh, what does leadership mean to you, Tristan?" He said, "When you lead, you serve. <laughs> you wow. serve. You're the giving one." And I think a lot about that. Do I want to be the giving one or the taking one? And uh, I've really come a long way around in my life. I said, I finally decided you can't take your money with you, but you can take your legacy with you. Yeah. And uh, so you can leave it behind and take it with you. So. People just, I just want people to be, treat people better. People have got a lot of problems anyway. And I don't, you know, I mean, so many people are living on the edge. I mean, they're just barely making it out there. And I tell companies, when they come to work, you want the sun to shine. Mm -hmm. Don't make their life worse. It's already bad enough. Make it so good that they get excited when they wake up in the morning and want to come to work because that's where the best part of their life is. And then help them get ahead, know their aspirations, try to get them the right training, try to get them right interviews, uh, tell them when they're not doing a good job and tell them when they're doing a good job. And five years later, maybe you've developed a new manager and you're going to change their life. You're going to change their kid's life and their grandkid's life. And 
And uh, so we have the power to do it if we can think about it in the right way instead of just that we work for some company and we get a paycheck and we hope to get to retirement alive. Right. <laughs> Those are not very <laughs> big legacies to leave. That's not inspiring at all. Well, so in that line, I mean, one of the things, again, in, in that book, you have burn the free fuel, appreciation, <laughs> recognition, and encouragement. So I hear you that you at Disney with, again, you know, 40,000 employees, you are hiring for those abilities. And I'm curious, again, for, for all of us in the listening audience here who have employees or even other you know, third party folks that we hire for things. We're hiring people to do things for us. How, but how, especially when you have somebody representing your company, like you said, your company, your your people are your brand, you're hiring for this, but how much would you say, if you look at the big scope of it, how much of those skills, appreciation, recognition, encouragement, how much do you hire and how much do you, from that point on develop in that person? Yeah, well, I think it's really, I talk about in the book that I think this R-A-R-E is the fuel that drives human performance. We all want to be appreciated, recognized, encouraged, Mm -hmm. and boy, we're living in a time now people need a lot of encouragement. They're worrying about everything, and uh, so I would say that all of us, including me and you and anybody listening, that we probably miss opportunities every day to give some people working for us or customers or stranger or some appreciation, recognition, some encouragement, uh, make their day better, not worse. And when you do that, you, you become what builds their self-confidence and you build their self-esteem and you help people believe in themselves. And you may be the factor. I think a lot of parents have dropped the ball on it. So kids are coming into the workforce and they don't really understand the right way to do things and and uh, we can be that leader that I always I tell teachers now I work with a lot of schools I say listen if when the parents fail you teachers are the first firewall you can get those kids notice them try to get them on help them encourage them get them tutors get them help and then uh, they you you know if you guys mess up they get to the workplace and then we've got to deal with it so it's just a matter of again I'd say it's never too late to get better and turn around and uh and uh, certainly in the times we live in now, it's never too late to learn more. I mean, how, how fast do we have to learn today here mm-hmm. uh, with technology? Every week it's something I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Now I have to learn how to do it or, or get the Zencast on my computer today. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, I didn't hear the word Zencast three or four months ago. So, uh, yeah, it's never too late and we've got to help people do that. So that's how I think about it. Every day, I guarantee you, I tell people, if you want to test this out, call your parents tonight. And if they're still living and when your mom answers the phone, say, hey, mom, I just wanted to get dad on the other line. I wanted to call and tell you, too, how much I love you, how much I appreciate you and how much I appreciate all the sacrifices you made for me in your life. And your mother will probably start crying. Your dad will say, what happened? You get fired. You come. Why are you calling here? Because they're suspecting. Why does he need money? What's going on? Because we don't do it enough. You know, I used yeah. to tell my wife I loved her annually, and now I tell her every day. So she did, the first time I walked in the house and I said, Priscilla, I love you. She said, what's going on? Uh, and uh, now I tell her every day, it's, I'm not suspect anymore. And uh, we just don't do it enough sometimes. People, are, people really need it to keep going. I mean, it's really the one thing that helps people sleep better. They don't lay awake at night worrying about their job when the boss has stopped them and said, you're doing a great job. We're glad you're on our team. We hope you stay with us. And those kinds of things. Uh, 
I think they may be more powerful than anything else because when you do that, you have a stronger workforce. They help you with cost savings. They help you. Turnover goes down. Customer service gets better. It's probably one of the best uh, strategies for uh, improving your business bottom line, too, Mm -hmm. and probably the right thing to do. Pretty nice if we can make somebody feel better about themselves, and we can. And we can instead of ignoring them. Well, on that aspect of gratitude, I'll take a second to thank the sponsors who helped bring this show to us today. Well, hey, Lee, your next book is The Customer Rules, The 39 Essential Rules for Delivering Sensational Service. And again, in our Ziegler audience, we have so many business owners, independent contractors, people with a side business. So the majority do have customers for a product, a service, even just a message that they're trying to impart to folks. And they're working to put it out there. And so to go over some highlights that I know are so relevant for the majority of our of everyone listening here in this, you have customer service is not a department. And that one stuck out to me. I mean, I, I got to <laughs> admit it. I think I'm a customer service focused guy, but I tend to think of it as part of the business. And I felt you are in essence saying, no, it is your business. Is that true? Absolutely. It's got to be who you are. I say, you know, when you co- you have a problem at a store, they want to send you to the customer service department. Mm-hmm. I said, that's going to, you're going to end up being at the customer aggravation department. <laughs> Usually they have no authority and they can't help you very much. And by the way, at Disney, we tell everybody owns customer service. Whoever you come into contact with when you have a problem is responsible for solving your problem, not going and getting a manager, not putting you on hold, not transferring you to another number, not telling you we'll get back to you in a few years. I mean, and it's a state of mind. Everybody's got to be so – it's just got to come out of them. They don't have to think about it. They. We have an engineer in the parking lot of a hotel at Disney, and they see a guest struggling with their luggage. Well, that engineer's job is to go fix toilets, but he's going to stop what he's doing and go take care of the guest Mm. and help them. And those are the kind of things we want to happen, that everybody's totally focused on our guests and our customers. And when you see an opportunity, you step in. I don't care if you're the cook, a chef, uh, an engineer, a ride operator. Uh, it's, It's instinctively what you do. Yeah, because we talk about it a lot and we allow it. We don't tell people they got to get permission to take care of the guests. They have permission to take care of the guest and uh, financially and with good judgment. So uh, that's it's just uh, yeah. It reminds me of those FedEx a, stories, you know, when they started out, and they said, we absolutely will get it there overnight. And there's the story, uh, you know, I, I assume it's true of somebody didn't get it, and they got a helicopter to get it to them. And whether the story is true or not, it's a great story because it stuck with me. I mean, that was their mantra: we will do what we say we'll do. We will take care of the the customer at all. Well, and they are right because I do a lot of training for FedEx for four years in Memphis, and. When I went to South Africa, I missed a flight, and I had to get some documents over there, and there was the only way I was sending it, and that was FedEx. It cost me $140 to send about 20 sheets of paper, Wow! And but you know what? It was there yeah. when I got there, and that's all I was worried about. Yeah. Yeah. They, they lived to their promise. Well, so in that aspect, and, and I'm just going to pull this out. I mean, you're ultimately talking, you, tr- so right there, you just gave a great testimony. We'll have to bill them for a, an invoice or sponsorship of today's show, <laughs> FedEx of, uh, of, yeah, you trust them, you trust them. And, and it seems like we right. more, more and more, we gravitate. We have this world where there's a hundred offerings. It seems like for everything we want to do, every product, every service. And I see people more and more confused and I'm, I, I'm one of them. 
And I'm ultimately looking for, even beyond, I think I'm getting, I mean, of course you want a good price, but at this point, I just want somebody I can trust because of the hassle, if I, if I can't, and if they don't come through, I can't afford that. Uh, do you find that right. more people are, well, that they're gravitating towards trust. Is that the number one thing that we're selling in that aspect? Well, it is for me, especially when I'm ordering something and I need it by a certain date or I've got a, a, a seminar in Nashville and I need to have books there overnight because the client forgot to order them. And I'm, that's when I have to trust not only my publisher because they have a great system for that and I have to trust FedEx that they're going to get there on time or I'm going to – my, my customer is going to uh, not be happy with me and uh, mm-hmm. because I tell them we can do just about anything. I, even at Disney, I mean, we go out of our way to do so many things. I always ask people if there's – you can go to a good organization or you can go to a great one. And somebody said, well, what's that, man? I said, well, when you get heart surgery, you want to have a good surgeon or a great one? <laughs> you know, you want to wake up in the morning feeling good or great? You want to have yes. good kids or great kids? And we know the answers to those questions. It's harder to be great. But it's worth it. I mean, especially, can you imagine, say, well, I, I just think I'll just raise ordinary children. <laughs> That's, uh, people are totally committed. We, yeah. we want people committed. They're going to go all the way for the customer, just like you're going to go all the way for your children. And uh, so uh, we want the best people, the best pros, people, experts that know what they're doing. They will do it. They got the ability to do it. So uh, there's just a few things you got to do a little differently if you want to be great. And again, if you want to be average, that's pretty easy. Well, and that's a big charge. Again, I think most of the folks listening here have product services that they believe are a premium offering, you know, to some degree. And I hear you calling us up to, if it is a premium offering, you have to give good service. I have a pet peeve of people who complain about the service at Walmart. You're at Walmart. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't want that service, go to Nordstrom's. You'll pay more, but uh, you know, you get what you pay for. And so you, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Walmart, uh, they they tell you that they're they're there for low prices. Yeah. That's where you go for low prices, and uh, that's good. So th- sometimes I go there because I don't need any help. I want to get something that's a lot cheaper there. Mm-hmm. And other times uh, I go to other stores for other reasons. And I think that's what uh, you got to be who you are. They can't be everything. You can't have low prices and spectacular service. You can have nice people, but there's not going to be that many of them on the floor. Mm-hmm. And as they're big rooms, those people run. So I think we get confused about what we want sometimes. And, you know, people, low-cost airlines, you're not going to get treated as well as you are if you're flying first class. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, sometimes we're hard on companies because we don't really understand what they're uh, what they're trying to achieve. And uh but uh, every market's out there today. You can stay in an economy hotel at Disney. You can stay in a premium. You can stay in the luxury. But the people will treat you the same everywhere. What you won't have is maybe a sit-down restaurant and a concierge and every hotel. But that's what you decide. You pay for those extra things. But the people, are, I don't care if you're in the economy hotel or in the Grand Floridian, they're going to treat you respectfully and well and kind and courteous and take care of you. And that's the difference. So if you go to Walmart and run into somebody, at least if you find somebody, they need to be nice. <laughs> if you find somebody really exceptional, be, they're higher. You might not them, find right? many of them. Yeah, yeah. Hire them if you do. Uh, well, you had a headline here in the book that said, great service follows the law of gravity. I did not read beyond that because I just wanted to hear from you what you mean by that. 
Well, it's the boss. It starts at the top. It starts at the CEO. It starts oh. at the president. It starts right. at the owner of the company uh, and goes downhill. I mean, the number one thing I think a lot of businesses do is they're not good role models. They don't state clearly what their expectations are, what they want it to be, how to treat people. Uh, uh, what the boss wants is what you get. And, uh, and uh, I think uh, they got to remember that. And we've got a lot of bad behavior in businesses today, people not behaving themselves and uh, getting in trouble and saying inappropriate things and doing inappropriate things. And uh, the values and I believe uh, the expectations are set at the top. And when you look at look at FedEx, I mean, Mr. Smith, I mean, he is the man. He, mm-hmm. he started that company when people told him nobody could do it. It wasn't and everything that company. They adore him when I go to Memphis. They just think he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, and uh, it starts at the top. They get treated right. They treat their people right, and then goes right downhill. And I thought, you know, when I was running Disney World operations, if I was respectful and treated people properly, then my ma- managers did. I hired the right kind of people, and it got all the way down to the guy having to clean those bathrooms and make beds mm-hmm. that everybody treats everybody the right way. And uh, so it does go downhill. And, you know, companies that have bad people at the top. And you see what happens down below, because I really believe that we all adjust to the culture and the environment we hang out in. You know, if you stay in a company that's abusive, you'll probably become that way. But to survive, that's what happens. We adjust. And uh, so, uh, you know, you hear it all the time in abusive homes where people get used to it. And eventually they think it's normal or the kids grow up thinking it's normal. And uh, so uh, it matters a lot that that area a lot well in this uh, just to kind of culminate somewhat on customer service you know at disney you guys had an an innumerable amount of different products and different services and online and and, and face-to-face and whatnot and again we're speaking here to people with product services in all shapes and forms from a, a a retail product area to a service industry to an online offering where do you see so i'm asking a culturally focused question right now in the marketplace uh, in this information age this online world and, and everything around that where do you see us most missing out in regards where are we the most blind in customer service that is hurting each of us in our businesses that we really need to give focus to well I think a couple things. One, I have a very strong business. And a couple things I do in that book, I said, be available for your customers. So if you get to the, I think it's chapter, I forget which one, which rule. It says be available. That's all about being available, opening the door on time, answering the phone quickly, getting back to people, uh, not being in the back when you should be out in the front. And so in there is the way to contact me in that chapter. And I get a call once a week from somebody saying, I just got to this chapter, Lee, and I just wanted to see if you really do answer your phone. <laughs> That's excellent. And I said, no, of course I do. They, they said, well, we expected a secretary or something. I said, you know, they say, why do you answer your own phone? I said, because you, you, you book more business that way. I don't want you calling somebody else. I answer the phone. When you say, how long is it going to take to get a contract? I'll tell you 10 minutes and uh, I'll give you the bill about that quick too when we're done. And, uh, I want to do it myself, and it's fun, and I get to negotiate with the customer and talk to them, and uh, reliability. Today, you call people, and half the people in the country don't even answer their phones. You leave them a voicemail, and it's usually full, or you, and they don't get back to you, and you lose credibility very quickly, not being available. 
and uh, I'm always available. <laughs> so, except from about nine o'clock at night till six in the morning, I leave Granted. my phone in the other room. Yeah. But it has my voicemail on my phone says I'm either asleep, giving a speech, or on an airplane. When I wake up, get off the plane, or get, finish the speech, I'll call you back. <laughs> so, I want to make sure they understand and uh, be available. Be available. Be out there. Know your customers. Go make sales calls with your people. Be you know, that's the number one thing is get your reputation that you're so reliable and so credible and you do what you say you're going to do. And uh, then you, you've got a winner there. Well, I want to speak to that in the online world specifically. We have more and more businesses that are, of course, primarily exist online. And I see more and more these days, and they are obviously positioned to not be available. They try <laughs> to have good FAQs. They, you know, they, they have some ways to contact them, but a lot of times you'll see something effective. Hey, we are not manning this live right now. We'll get to get, you know, we'll get back with you within a business day or a, or whatever. And so back to what we're talking about, you know, with, with Walmart, if they're, if the product or service that they have is a low price point and that's the focal point, then we would maybe give them some understanding and grace for that. Maybe they should explain that too and say that. But if it's not a low price, if that is not our primary focal point, you're saying be available, which costs money. I mean, that's, yeah. that's people yeah. on deck. Okay. Well, look at Amazon. Yeah. They've got it together. Let me tell you, my wife lives on there. Yeah. FedEx and UPS comes to our house every day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Even, you know, even she orders bread. She found some special bread. Four, four loaves at a time come from FedEx or through, uh, Amazon. Yeah. And, but we, we bought some China once came in, a bowl was broken. It was about $700 worth of China. The bowl was $65. Priscilla called them right away. And, uh, she got a message and they called her back. She left a message. They got it. They called her back in one minute. The person who called her back after she heard what had happened said, I can give you a new bowl or a credit right now. And my wife said, wait, hold it. My husband's writing a book on customer service. How can you do that without checking with somebody? She said, we have one policy here, make the customer happy. And I have the authority to do that. You know, there you go. There was no hassle. We've never had a problem with them. Never. And I mean, we order a lot through them. Yeah. yeah I, it's amazing. It is. And, it is. Speaking of Walmart, yeah. I, 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 I rarely go in there. If it's a mile down the road, but it's also a click away. I get it from Amazon. And I think they're what, 90 bucks? A year or something, I, w- I would pay five hundred in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, cool. trust. We would too. And yeah. like the t- yesterday, my wife said, "You know what? I, I need some new uh, uh, charger for my iPhone. Mm-hmm. I've lost the one, and I don't have this." And I said, "I'm going to get you that for Christmas, darling." <laughs> and we're going to have our presents early tomorrow because part of the family's going to France, so we're opening presents early. So I, I was thinking about it this morning while I was having coffee at Starbucks, and I just went right on to Amazon. There they were. I punched it in. They will be here tomorrow before we open presents tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going like what? I mean, it's unbelievable. It is. It's like and Star I didn't Trek. Even have generation. to get out of the chair. Yep. Yeah. It is. Well, again, trust. Trust and trust. We keep coming back to that. Well, hey, I, I want oh, yeah. I, I want to hit just a couple other points. You're, you've got a book, Time Management Magic, How to Get More Done Every Day, Move from Surviving to Thriving. But right off the bat in that book, you state that the book's not really about time management. It's about life management. And, uh, you know, the natural questions to ask seem to be, what are the primary things that we should do to help us manage our time? But I'm always curious sometimes to... What are the primary culprits 
that are, you know, sabotaging our time management. Again, we're in a fast evolving culture right now of technology and of information and uh, we're bombarded. And so when you look at time management today, what do you see as, as the trends that we just need to be aware of in our own lives that are hurting our time management? Well, I think the biggest problem is nobody's being taught how to do this in high school and college. Mm. Uh, no, there's no courses in high school. They teach you subjects. You know a lot about stuff, but you don't know how to get anything done. My grandson, who just got a degree in biomedical engineering from the University of Miami, he said, you know, I know everything about biomedical engineering. I don't even know how to open a brokerage account or, <laughs> or what I should be doing with my uh, pension and savings through the years and all those little things. And uh, I've started working with schools. I just did a program for 100 school districts in Texas uh, that's about implementing time management, management courses, how to keep your whole life under control, your health, your retirement, your relationships, uh, your clients, uh, your exercise. Your, you got to think about where you spend your time, where you don't spend it, and where you should be spending it. And most people don't even know the top three or four things. You know, when I was at Disney, I basically focused on three things, making sure we're hiring and promoting the right people, making sure everybody was getting the training, that we were testing them and we were enforcing the training, and that I was being a good role model and sending the direction on what the culture and the environment was about how we're going to treat people. That's what I did. I had experts doing everything else. And then when I retired, my wife gave me three new ones. She said, Lee, your priorities are number one, take care of yourself so you can take care of us. And then you can take care of your family, and then you can take care of your business. And then if you got time left over, you can help Kim Kardashian with her problems. <laughs> but other right. than that, don't be d- spending time on nonsensical things until you got the big things in your life, like your health. There's nothing more – biggest regrets you're going to have when you get older at 50 or 60 or f- 63 or 4 and have a diabetes and bypass. It's going to be the biggest regrets you've got in your life, and you could have done something about it. And why don't we do something about it? It's hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't want to do hard things, but you pay for it. So you either pay now, you pay later, or you pay early. And uh, so I am really into this thing. I've been teaching this for 35 years. Now, I'm a little compulsive too, but I understand that if I focus on something, I can get it done. And something to your listeners might be, every one of you out there has one, two, or three problems you've been putting off for years. A conversation, a decision, a marriage, a relationship, who knows what it is. You know what it is. Go out there and pick one and work on it for the next few months. To, it goes away no matter how hard it is. Get it done. Get in the used to doing hard things. It's a responsibility if you're a parent. I tell everybody, don't have kids and don't become a manager if you can't make hard decisions and have hard discussions And uh, because it's a big responsibility. The outcome of those people, your customers and your kids, are going to be whether you're able to do the hard things and do them properly with finesse and caring. And that's just a strong message that book gives. Yeah. I think the first quote in there says, if you don't take a lot of time to plan the life you want, you're going to end up spending a lot of time living the life you do not want. Yeah. And a lot of people are living that life right now. Yeah, that's a significant, yeah. uh, a significant clip. I had actually pulled that one out uh, because it was so <laughs> profound. So, yeah, thank you for it's repeating. scary. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, so li- on that aspect right there, living the life 
that you want. And I want to culminate here with your latest book, which is Career Magic, How to Stay on Track to Achieve a Stellar Career. And it's a significant book of guiding you through the steps there. But what I got from an overall feeling was the relevance of purpose in your work ultimately. And we keep getting more and more information stats on the intrinsic value in in some ways necessity for a, if we look at a successful life, which our next show is going to be with you talking about your habits and the Ziegler spokes of life. Uh, and we look at that, there is, it feels like the, the feedback we're getting, it's really difficult to have the fulfillment, have the, the passion in your life that you would ultimately desire. If you don't have purpose in your work and you've devoted a, a book to, in essence, a lot of this topic, talk to us about that, about the aspect of purpose in your work. I think you said a little bit ago, uh, something to the effect of work. It's, it's, it's some of the best part of your life. Well, it is. I woke up every morning. I wouldn't say every morning, but on balance, I was happy doing what I was doing. And I will say, when I thought about it, I said, I didn't work for Hilton, Marriott or Disney. I worked for me. And I did a good job when I was making $80 a week. <laughs> I did a great job. I didn't change my work habits. I didn't change uh, being on time to work or doing a good job or being reliable and credible. And I think people need to be doing it for me. I, you know, I'd love my reputation to be better than Disney's and better than Marriott's and better than Hilton's that, uh, I, I excelled and that takes hard work. You got to put your head down and you got to make sure that you stay late and come early and do what you got to do. And, and uh, treat people right. You know, that old theory is, I think the, the system at Disney is hire them right, train them right, and treat them right. And then you'll have a greatest company you ever want to have. But if you're missing one of those, yeah, and a lot of it's treat not treating them right. So we got to hire them better, take more time, figure out how to do it. And uh, we got to train them better and we got to treat them better. And uh, that's the purpose is really at the end of the day, you know, our, our purpose is take care of the guests. But we know. We got 73,000 cast members in Orlando now at Disney. And the impression that guest has when they leave after a week is those 100 or 50 or how many they ran into. It's all about Disney. It's not about Lee Cockrell, the management. It's about what happened when I lost my pacifier at 10 o'clock at night. And the lady said, don't worry, I'll I'll open the store and get you one. You know, a lot of places will say, sorry, we're closed. And that's just the difference attitude. Everything matters. We're going to take care of you. Uh, You can count on us and it doesn't matter what time it is. uh, And uh, we're going to do what we have to do. So uh, that's a attitude. It starts at the top. Uh, I would even say Walt Disney himself started it and it continues to filter through the company through the years. And I would tell you most customers, most guests at Disney will tell you that's why they come because it's special and it's different and everybody treats you right. And, uh, that doesn't happen out in real life every day. So you got to have a purpose. You got to, the purpose, I get most satisfaction out of people telling me how great we did and, or out of a cast member telling me, thanks for sitting down and having that conversation with me. I understand now what I have to do. Thank you for telling me because it's for them. It's not for me. I do it for them. And uh, that's really our job. You do it for your kids. It's not for you. You want to make sure they, they grow up and they're successful and do all the right things. I was going to write a book called Manage Like a Mother. I said, mothers don't care if you're happy. They care if you're successful. So they'll discipline you and tell you they love you in the same breath almost. But uh, we have, we got to quit 
we got to continue to understand we own this. Uh, I own it. The guy that cleans the bathrooms owns it. The housekeeper owns it. The executives own it. We all own it. And when we all do what we're supposed to be doing, then the guest walks away going, how do they do that? (laughs) And we, people say, what are the secrets of Disney? I say, hire good people, train them and treat them right. (laughs) And you'll have a great company. And any of your listeners can do that. Yes, we can. I'm thinking about my own family. I can uh, do a lot of that right there with with them as well. Okay, well, you you just alluded, maybe, uh, I'm wondering to my last question is, do we have another book coming from you? I haven't got one right now, but we're working on a couple of things. Uh, we're, we're looking at all the podcasts we've done and all the blogs I did for years, and we got a lot of material there, and we're thinking about creating some shorter ones, those kind you can read on the plane, you know, yeah. an hour, 15, yeah. 20 minutes, because we got a lot of great material that could help people. And actually, I was just working on that today to get a different look at it, more casual look. And I'm working with a lot of universities that are using my tech, my um, my books in the classroom now. And we're creating some online books for that. So we've got a lot of ideas and just trying to figure out how to spread this around. And the one thing is doing well is the the blog. I mean, people, we listen to that. uh, It's only 15 minutes long. I ran into some people at the airport the other day, these girls, probably 14, 12, and 10. And one tapped me on the shoulder. She said, are you Lee Cockrell? I said, yeah, who are you? And her dad stepped in and said, Lee, they know you because they have to listen to your podcast every Tuesday morning and write a report on what they learned because they're homeschooled. Ah, I said, oh, good grief. <laughs> so you never know how you're being reached today with the Internet. I mean, I, we, you, you can be everywhere in the world right now. And as you know, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. People are looking for the good story and the good people want to learn. People want to f- way to learn how to do something. The number one thing I hear from people is I never thought about it that way. I'm glad you told me that. I never thought about that because we don't know yeah. unless you're exposed and exposure and experience is such a vital thing in life. Uh, exposure and experience is how you learn, not just sitting in a classroom. Yeah. And, uh, so there's a lot of ways to be exposed today. If you got any knowledge gap, it's your own fault because the internet's sitting there waiting to tell you anything you need to know. And, uh, I said, if you don't know the definition of a word at 12 o'clock and at one o'clock, you still don't. That's your fault. (laughs) You can look it up. Yes. You don't have to get your encyclopedia out. (laughs) Yeah. It's an amazing world we live in. Lee, I am just grateful for you taking the time today and exposing us uh, to the magic. Thank you. And yes, I'm eager, eager for as much as you'll give out to us. Thanks. Well, friends, can we agree that there was literally some magic in this interview? I really love Lee's authenticity, his personality, and his foundational success. It's built on doing the right thing and taking care of people. I don't think any of us would want it any other way. It's a win-win all around. Again, you can get any of Lee's four books, his online time management course, and subscribe to Creating Disney Magic, his podcast at leecockerell.com. That's C-O-C-K-E-R-E-L-L. Well, coming up next, we go behind the scenes with Lee into his personal habits for success, going over the seven spokes in the Ziegler Wheel of Life. Some highlights after I make a call out to a great sponsor. 
Okay, some highlights from this habit show with Lee coming up next. He works to maintain the same weight he was in the Army at age 20, and he's 74 today. He has a Starbucks decaf every day. He's on no medication, has great blood pressure. He spends a lot of time with family and stresses to his employees to never miss out on their family events, especially for work. He views his brain as having malleable software, and he works with experts to help him manage and succeed. He grew up poor and feels it hardwires his brain. Today, he's still very frugal. He drives a decade-old car, and he really relies on his financial advisors. Spiritually, he says, I need to do some work. And he's had some rough times, has been the bad guy he feels like in the past and really wants to become a better person, always be becoming. He built his career on discipline and empathy and admits he loves public speaking because he needs that people clap. Well, folks, till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 